We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, what is going on, everybody? How you doing? Welcome to Talk Buffalo Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm your host, Patrick Moran. You can find me on Twitter at Pat Moran Tweets. Thank you very much, as always, for locking in. Casual Friday. I say it every week, and I mean it. My favorite show of the week, as always. I am joined by my good friend, Joe Yurden. Let's... <laughs> Where do we start here, man? Let, let, <laughs> let, let me say this, okay? We, we've talked Love. about this on the show several mm-hmm. times over the last couple of weeks because I try to be objective. I try to be unbiased when I talk Buffalo Bills. But mm-hmm. as you know, when these playoffs went on, the I, I couldn't check my phantom at the door. No. I couldn't do no, it. No, you could right? not. No, I couldn't do it. All right. So needless to say, I'm not in a good mood right now. I was I, I was going to say, uh, let me start the show off by asking you, how are you doing? Not good. Not okay. good. But, right. but, and I'm sure a lot of Bills fans right now feel the same. Not good. We're taping mm-hmm. this mid-afternoon on Thursday for a Friday drop. I do feel better than I did on Monday and Tuesday. I would, I would hope so. I'd be very worried otherwise. It was, it was tough. And again, I am a Bills fan. Joe is a Bills watcher. So mm-hmm. it's a lot easier for Joe to be able to, talk about the bills and it has been throughout this entire season in the process of doing the show. You you could take the emotion out of it. You're speaking much more objectively Mm -hmm. than I have. And I haven't even tried to hide it over the last couple of weeks. I, um, I was angry. I'm still not happy. I have not watched to, to this moment. In fact, (laughs) I did a podcast with Joe Buffalo wins on Twitter Mm -hmm. uh, a couple of days ago. And I said, I haven't watched any ESPN, any of that. I said, I don't have to listen to any bills podcasts. I don't even want to listen to my own podcast. I was like, I can't believe people are actually tuning in and listening. Well, the numbers were good, which shocking right. to me. I I don't, I still sort of feel that way. Like I have not listened to any WGR. I have not listened to, I turned on ESPN at two in the morning last night because I couldn't fall asleep. Uh-oh. And, but it wasn't really football stuff. But that's the first time that I, I've even tried to listen or watch anything since this, uh, since this debacle, quite frankly, man, you could tell Joe, I mean, again, you're not necessarily a Bills fan, but you know, a lot of right. Bills fans, you're a Buffalo guy. Yeah. Just speak from what you've seen. I mean, it's kind of a rhetorical question, but the mood, <laughs> you know, the vibe this week on, on Twitter, it, it's been, this was a very tough pill to swallow. No, no, yeah. getting around it. 
Yeah, and I I, I tuned in to GR a little bit yesterday, uh, yesterday after or Wednesday afternoon. I should specify which day since you know uh, we're recording this today. But it was Wednesday afternoon, and I was listening uh, a little bit to Bulldog in the afternoon, and it was he was on with uh, with Sal uh, Sal Capaccio, and I wanted to hear a little bit because I wanted to give it a little breathing room because hearing it right after hearing people talk about it right afterward, it's a little too raw. And I wanted to hear what people sounded like after they've had a chance to digest it or, you know, maybe they haven't digested it. Maybe they're still spitting venom about it, but I wanted to hear it after a couple of days and just get the idea and just hearing, hearing Bulldog's voice and just being like, still just kind of like, I can't, I can't believe like the, the, the things played out that way. And it's just like, it's, it's the kind of exasperation you get, I think, being a Bills fan, honestly, and like being a media person as a Bills fan too. Like that's, it's a lot more difficult because you have to have that professional air to a degree. Like everybody understands that you're a fan, but also it's like you can't just like fly off the handle every time because then you know, yeah, it's a great soundbite, but like it doesn't, you know, it doesn't work. But but you could hear in both Sal's and and bulldog's voices there it was just like that the the emotion was just like oh we're so close like it's just right there and those guys those guys have been at it for so many years too you know right and and it's it's one thing if it's a game where and i mean it kind of was where you're getting best on best and like just everybody throwing it at the wall which they kind of did but there was no matter who lost that game there was going to be a lot of regrets like a lot of regrets and it just turns out it's the bills, but um, yeah, like I, it's, it's, it's hard to watch people go through it. I was, you know, I was watching the game with a couple of buddies of mine and they're one's, one's a pretty, I mean, neither one's like a crazy, like, you know, face painting type fan. They're both pretty locked into reality, which makes it a little easier to, to watch them play. Yeah. Um, as opposed to being with somebody who's just like, you know, wants to throw stuff against the wall or whatever, needs to go outside and scream. Like uh, that'd be, that'd be a little tough to be around, but, but both of them, like I could, it's one of those things where it's like, I have zero, like I got zero tension in the room, but like, I still was like, how's this going to go? Oh my God. I can't believe like, I, you know, just flabbergasted at the way it played out. But like the tension you, I could feel, like I'm sitting between these two guys and I just feel it on both sides of me. And I'm just like, oh man, this sucks. This sucks so bad. I'm glad I'm not a fan of either team because I would be pulling my hair out vomiting. Like that's 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 where I would have been. And I can only imagine how that feels after, you know, drinking a case of beer for the entire afternoon before the before and during the game. Let, let, let me say this, Joe. So I watched the game at, um, shout out Imperial Pizza in South Buffalo. Right, I watched the game there at, they have a bar and I watched it with a bunch of friends and a, and a bunch of people there. Mm-hmm. And look, I'm getting older and my memory is going on me. It's not as sharp as it used to be. I can't remember how I felt in the moment of some of the other heartbreaks going back to the Super Bowl years. I remember the home run mm-hmm. throwback against Tennessee. What was it 21 years ago? That sucked. Badly. 99, yeah. yeah. 99. That was horrible. The only thing I could compare that moment. All right, so, I mean, like everyone else, every fan who watched the game, it was just such a roller coaster. So I'm not going to go through each drive and how I felt. But I will say, when the Bills scored the second time inside two minutes with 13 seconds left, the joy on everyone's everybody was stunned. Stunned. Mm-hmm. Happy, obviously, but also stunned because I don't think once 
Once the Bills went up and then the Chiefs came right back down and Tyreek Hill catches that pass with a minute two left, I thought that was ball game. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, like Josh did. His I thing. think everybody thought that, honestly. Sure, sure. So to come back and score with 13 seconds left, it was like half jubilation, but also half stunned. Like, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. The, the people's faces. It was just, mm-hmm. it was absolutely crazy. And then when Kansas City, the, the kickoff, the squib, the, the no squib kick, yeah, the in no two squib. defensive plays, um, you could, you know, it's a corny phrase when you say you could hear a pin drop, but you could hear a pin drop. Everybody mm-hmm. was just stunned. And I just, the only thing I could compare it to was only a year ago with the Hail Mary, the shock and suddenness of how it ended. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But obviously with the Hail Mary, I was over that rather quickly. It was a regular season game. Yeah, It did suck because I remember I was going into a bye week. So it kind of, it sat around a little bit longer, but you knew it was a lot more football and you're like, this is a really good team. This was the end of the season. So it's just another different, I mean, the stakes were much bigger. Mm -hmm. And so it was just on a completely uh, different level. I want (laughs) to, so last week, and by the way, I didn't want to be right about this. It depends, I guess, how you look at it before the playoffs. We both made predictions for the Super Bowl. We both ended up taking Kansas City and the Rams. Mm-hmm. That's looking pretty good right now. But, but, I, at, what I did, co- but at what cost, Pat? At what cost? At what plus, cost? Plus, I did change my pick last week. I did pick the Bills. So, I mean, yeah, I can't lie did. about that. Which even, is though you said, even though you said if your life depended on it, you would take Kansas City to go, right. to go deep. Yeah, and then, see, the then you took killed over. yourself on the that. The Phantom took over. Yes. And I also said last week, that the Bills, especially if, if they were close, if they were winning or tied at the end of the first quarter, I said they win by two scores. Funny graphic. I grabbed this screen grab. <laughs> I might put this on YouTube as a clip. This is Joe Yurden. This is a screen screen grab of last week when I told Joe I predicted that the Bills were going to win by two scores. That's the instant real-time look that, that he gave me right there. So. You were like, what? You shared that on Twitter too. And I was like, ah, that's, yeah, that's I did. exactly how it that looked. Could be a, that could possibly be, that, that has potential <laughs> to be a good meme down the road. But could here, be, yeah. here's what I want to do, Joe. I want to play a clip because through all the chaos and the 13 seconds, which, you know, we'll talk about that a little bit, but mm-hmm. Stephen A. Smith. And again, I did not watch this, but I did see the clip on YouTube and, or on Twitter and, and I had to download it. I, I said, there's some people who haven't heard this because there's a lot of people like me who refuse to watch any sports right now right. this week. He said everything that you could possibly say about Josh Allen. And I want to play that clip. And then on the other side here, I want to get your reaction. So let me play that clip. But again, this is Stephen A. Smith on uh, whatever the hell show he has. This What is it? First take or whatever that shit is. But anyway, uh, I think th- so. yeah, this is a really good take from Stephen A. Smith. And, and I want people to listen. And then I want to get your reaction. Here it is comes in for Buffalo. Remember, Poyer and Micah Hyde got offended. I think it was those two when they lost to New England. Yes. And the reporter asked about the fact that, you know, he only, you know, uh, you know, they they only threw the ball three times and stuff like that. They should have been a little bit offended because obviously they held New England to, you know, minimal points and they still lost the game and it wasn't their fault. You should be ashamed of yourself last night. The entire defense. Josh Allen is a 25-year-old quarterback. Yeah. And this dude took you to the AFC Championship game last year and was on the verge of taking it to you. He answered the call. I mean, every pressurized situation you could possibly be confronted by, Mm -hmm. he was and stood up. And, oh, by the way, in the end, you know what he was begging for? Just give me the ball back. Mm -hmm. Just just, just give me the ball. I already delivered for you. 
okay, on two separate occasions, not needing a field goal, needing a touchdown. Yeah. I already delivered for you twice in the last two minutes. He did everything but get on his knees on national television yeah. in front of the defense and begged them, just get me the ball. Just give me the ball. That's all I ask. Give me the ball back. And with 13 seconds left, first of all, yeah. he didn't have to do that because he wants you to stop him with 13 right. seconds left. And then after that, give me the ball back. Let him kick a field goal. Right. Just let right. him out of, right. keep him out of the end zone. You couldn't do that as the number one defense. The Buffalo Bills, that defense, which they should be sick to their stomachs. And you let down. What a moment. You talk about a moment yeah. that's missed. Can we really sit here as, as, as former football players? Can y'all really sit here and say a moment like that will present itself again? No, that's I mean, a scary I don't thing. Know, I don't know if you can ever predict because of how Josh Allen played. As great as I think he is, I don't know if you can ever predict he'll play like that again. That's how phenomenal he was. And you well, wasted it because you couldn't stop Patrick Mahomes with 13 seconds left. The shame. That, to me, I mean, he focuses on two things. The defense completely gagging and choking, which goes without saying. And I don't know, maybe we'll talk about that a little bit in a few. But what I wanted to ask you about was was Josh Allen himself. I mean, this was just absolutely, look, we all had some questions to some extent about Josh Allen. I don't care how big of a Bills fan you are, having to go on this stage as good as he played against the Patriots. This was not just this game, both games in the playoffs, just another level of football that, quite frankly, Joe, is a lifelong, not just Bills fan, but football fan. I don't know that I've seen a quarterback play better football in back-to-back games than we just seen from Josh Allen. He answered the bell in every way that you can. And if you're a national critic of him out there, for whatever reason, didn't like this guy, if you still don't, I don't know what, what more can a human being do than what he did. because. Again, all the other stuff aside, we might get into a couple parts of it, aspects of it. He was, I mean, Joe, he was freaking spectacular, man. Yeah. I, if if anybody wanted to blame either quarterback in that game for any, any one thing that happened, they were crazy. Mm-hmm. Because they were both, like, both guys were outstanding. But Allen, I, I, I think what's more impressive about Allen is that any of the criticisms that people have had about him you know, in some of these situations in the past, you know, like the, uh, you know, can't play in front of a big crowd, can't, you know, can't handle himself. He gets a little too caught up in the moment, playing hero ball, blah, 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 blah. All that stuff was gone. Like that, that was, that was about as perfect of a game as you could play and still come up short. Like that's, and you know what? They came up short and it's not his fault. <laughs> like I feel, I feel like that's become the phrase of, of, of sports is that it's not, it's not your fault. Like that, that ain't on Allen. Like that's that's there's there's a fifty other people you could you could put that put that loss on, but it ain't on Allen. He played an absolutely perfect game, and if you wanted to nitpick parts of the the strategy or whatever, like, I mean, uh, okay, I guess like you could do that, but like, what's the point? Like there's there's no point. Like you want your quarter if you have a quarterback, I, like just a build a, like a build a bear quarterback. You want him to play that way. Like that's that's the exact kind of game you're looking for out of out of your quarterback in a playoff game. Like that's that's exactly what you want. He didn't do anything to cost him the game. He didn't turn the ball over. He didn't, you know, didn't, you know, make any bonehead decisions. There's none of that. Like any of that stuff that we've seen from him in the past, from like the Houston games or, you know, the even some of the, you know, the Kansas City game last year, like 
none of that stuff was there. Like there, there's, there are zero complaints. If you have a complaint about the quarterback, go see yourself out. <laughs> it's just, it, it's well, the most incredible part to me. What was so special about it? If you're only focusing on Josh Allen, of course is yeah, there were parts of the game where maybe he could have made a different couple different decisions, things like that. Like any quarterback who's ever played the game, they don't play a perfect mm-hmm. four quarters, you know, Although he almost unless it's against last New week, England, unless it's against New England last week. But what I won't forget about this game, and in the positive aspect of it is when it mattered. This was a guy we you always hear about these great athletes, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, and it's true that how much they hate losing, like it mm-hmm. kills them to lose, and they will do anything to win. I felt that's what Josh Allen's mentality was. We hear that word "mama" mentality all the time. Make of it what you will. Josh Allen had that mentality on last Sunday. He was going to do no matter what he had to do. That fourth and four where he should have gotten sacked like three times mm-hmm. and ends up, he, he got away from Ingram, he got away from Frank Clark, and he ran for that first down. It was incredible. The two-point conversion where he held the ball forever, the pass to Gabe Davis mm-hmm. for the go-ahead touchdown, it, it, it just it blows my mind. You know, last week we had a conversation and I outlined like three keys to the Bills winning, and one of them was the Bills' offensive line not letting Chris Jones and the defense wreck them, and they didn't. Well, they might have a little bit, but Josh just wasn't. It didn't matter because Josh Allen was just on another level. We talked about uh, the Kansas City or the Bills' pass rush being able to really affect Patrick Mahomes without having a blitz. They didn't make any adjustments from that first game. I, I thought that was a, a failure. They got two sacks, but Mahomes had a lot. They made it easy for him to get out of the pocket and run a lot too. Like yes. Josh Allen wasn't the only quarterback who ran the ball effectively mm-hmm. on Sunday. And then we talked about the third key I had was Levi Wallace and Dane Jackson having the game of their lives. And especially with Levi Wallace, a guy who I thought played well, not not the game of his life. I really don't no. think he was very well. But at the end of the day, Joe, for me, this game, when I look back next week, next year, 10 years from now, if I have any memory left, if I'm still around, I'll remember Josh Josh Allen fondly, and I'll never forget the coaching of this game because at the end of the day, the coaches cost this game. I want to read a tweet. I shared this with you earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, a fan of the show um, sent me a tweet, and I thought it was really cool and worth sharing. And I want to get your reaction from it. I'm going to read it right now. His name is Alex Barber. He's from Victoria, British Columbia. Canadian dude. Uh, his handle's like at Fred Jackson SF or something like that. This is what he said. Hi, Patrick. I wanted to write to tell you how much I enjoyed your podcast the other day with Joe Yurden. I felt much better after listening. I found myself in agreement with just about everything Joe said. Growing up in Toronto, growing up in Toronto, I'm sorry. I only became a Bills fan in the late 1990s after Flutie left the CFL for the Bills. I've been a diehard Bills fan ever since. I think the Bills fans and Toronto Maple Leaf fans have a lot in common. I think he's dead wrong, by the way, but I'll continue with his tweet. <laughs> Not sure if you have done a podcast about this yet. But has anyone noticed just how bad McDermott is with making in-game decisions? He is constantly blowing challenges or taking bad timeouts or generally just making poor choices. He seems like, and this is the part that really stuck with me, Joe, he seems like a great defensive coach and motivator, which I think outweighs his weaknesses as an in-game manager overall. So I am definitely not advocating for his ouster. But at this point of his coaching career, is it becoming very obvious? It is becoming very obvious, at least to me. Thanks again for the podcast, Alex Barber, uh, Victoria, British Columbia. 
I want to get your reaction to what he said. There's a lot to unpack there. And thank mm -hmm. you very much for the kind tweet, Alex. But what really resonated with me the most is him saying Sean McDermott is a good defensive coach and a good motivator. I'll add to that. He's a character guy. He's a culture guy. He believes in a lot of that stuff. And his team has bought into it. And he's been a good coach. But he has made some horrible, horrible in-game decisions in management. Not just this game, but in other games as well. Let me read a couple things here that I wrote down in my notes. I actually did write a couple things down this week. 0-3 in his career, postseason on the road. Okay, so now he's not, he's now lost three straight games on the road. He's won four in a row at home, lost all the ones on the road. Um, clearly, he was out coached earlier this year in the first New England game, and he got irritated when he was kind of called out on that with the media, which I do think he was out coached that first game. Uh, the Tennessee game too. Now, let me, uh, let me add to this too, okay? I think, and maybe you disagree with me, Joe, the head coach is the CEO. To me, he's ultimately responsible. If you and I both work in a department at a regular job and we're shithead workers and we're doing a bad job, our manager is going to take the brunt of that because our manager is ultimately responsible for the people he manages, okay? So it's easy to blame Leslie Frazier for all the defensive woes. Sean McDermott has his fingerprints all over this defense, okay? I, I just want to make sure I say that. And I'm talking about the strategy, and we've talked about this before. They oversold. They sold out for for uh, Derrick Henry and made life easy for Ryan Tano. So I think that was bad coaching that game. Um, they flat out were not ready to play against the Jacksonville Jaguars, nor the Indianapolis Colts. They got stopped by the Colts that game. Not to mention, first game of the season, for whatever reason, I have no idea why, but the Pittsburgh Steelers came in here and at least defensively uh, dominated them. Here's another scary stat. They were 0-6 this year in one-score games. That means... If they didn't run you out of the building, which they did do 12 times, they were 0-6 in one-score games. Then they had the one blowout loss of the Colts. So seven losses this year, including the playoffs. Six of them were by one score with no wins by one score. Um, it, it certainly felt like there was a stretch of the season where Sean McDermott and Brian Dable were not on the same page too. Like the offense went in some kind of lull and there was rumblings out there that McDermott was in Dable's ear. And then... uh. And then the 13-second debacle, which, by the way, on cover one, I got to credit, make sure I credit cover one. I don't know if you heard this yet, Joe, but they had their film room show on Tuesday night, and they learned that there was a squib kick called, and the message never, somehow, some way, the call never got to Tyler Bass. Tyler Bass was on the sidelines getting loose, doing his, whatever he does before he kicks off, kicking into the net. They called for a squib kick, and it never got to Tyler Bass. And he broke down the film. Eric, it was Eric Bruce Nolan, um, Anthony Herbert Peraska from, from Cover One on Tuesday. I watched the show. They showed the kickoff from the All-22. Saran Neal's looking at the sideline like they were, they were flabbergasted that he kicked the ball in the end zone. It was supposed to be a squib kick. Point being is this. The special team coaches somehow did not communicate this to the kicker. That's on your coaches, man. Again, you're the CEO of your organization as head coach. And then... The two defensive calls go without saying. You know, the guys are playing 20, mm -hmm. 25 yards off. Clearly, they were in a defense designed to uh, not give up a touchdown as opposed to the field goal. I think that's because they were horrified of Tyreek Kill and his speed, so they were just going to play back, back, back. But anyway, man, let's go back to Alex's take here. I mean, I, I literally just said my piece. I, I, <laughs> I, I feel like you agree with a lot of that. Do you feel like that? Like Sean McDermott is a good motivator, a, a good culture guy, but... He's lacking when it comes to preparation at times and, and especially in-game execution. 
Well, first up, I'm going to say thank you for agreeing with everything that I said. You're a very, very wise listener, and that's <laughs> it's a good job on your part. So I thank you for that. But um, I don't know how you walk away from this game and think it's not on the coaching. Like that's it. It's the only thing that prevented them from winning. You know, like and you know, listen, McDermott's learned as the season went on. Like he stopped being a punt guy. Like they were up, they became punt guys again in this game. But that's out of I think that's more out of fear than anything. Like I think that's, you know, that you want to make the safe choice when you're dealing with a team like Kansas City, and sometimes it's sometimes a safe choice isn't the best one. But I mean, I get it. I I get it. But with everything at the end of the game, if I'm McDermott, I'm the guy giving directions to everybody. Like that's flat out. I'm not, you know, like your coaches want to make the make the plays. I'm the guy saying like, okay, let's do that. Like it. You're right. The coach is the CEO, but the CEO has got to give the final sign off. And if, you know, if it's on McDermott to to call the, the defense to prevent a touchdown, then that's on him. If it's on, if it's on him to tell Bass that he's got to squib it and he doesn't, it's on him. Like, I don't like, if you're going to squib it, like, I mean, Jesus, after every touchdown, McDermott's the first guy out there, you know, singling one or two, like, you know, whether you're going to go for two or not, like he's the guy making the call. It, you know, he's, he's the guy making the call to squib it. Like he has to, like, there's, there's no choice. Like that's, you know, you're not, you're not just going to leave it on the special teams coach to be like, Hey man, I'm getting angry like, again. I'm getting, no, a, I'm getting like, angry listening to this. Cause you're a hundred percent right. It wasn't a secret, Joe. It's not like they were trying. It's not like a trick play. He should have been screaming, kick mm-hmm. the fucking ball, squib kick right in yeah. the middle of the field. Why can't city know what's coming? Who gives a shit? Yeah, it, well, was, it wasn't like a trick like, play. Not a they line up in front of it and block it. Like, yeah, no, Jesus, of course not. Man, come on. So oh, I mean, it, angry again. It, it's all that stuff. And you know, the defense, I, you know, I, I paid attention a little bit to how McDermott answered any of the questions about the end of that game. Cause I wanted to see what his reaction was. And he, <laughs> he was more defensive than the defense he put out there in the final, the final 13 seconds. About, yeah, he was. I mean, he was very much just like, that, nope that nope stay away from it like i don't know if that's to protect fraser or himself like, i mean you know he's got to know that people are interviewing fraser for a head coach job so maybe he wants to be like eh, you know, i don't want to throw him under the bus maybe it's mcdermott making the call i don't know but there is no doubt like i mean that's a chain reaction thing like you know hill gets that touchdown right after they you know they took the lead with a minute 30 and hill gets that touchdown right away because he just ran by everybody and you go back and look at that play. It wasn't like it was, it wasn't like he man, you know, it was like a man on man. Like he just beat his guy and ran by him. He had to do a lot of running to, to run by everybody. Poyer, like that's, took, a, Poyer took a bad angle. A couple yeah. guys didn't even know he'll had, didn't have the ball. And so like, too late. so, so there's that. And then you follow that up and like, I get it. You're worried about getting burned for another touchdown. It's fair, but understand the score and the situation. There's 13 seconds left. They have all their timeouts. They're only trying to get a field goal. They don't, they're not going for a touchdown. They got to go 80 yards for a touchdown in 13 seconds. Ain't happening. Like, I know they got a big play offense, but that ain't happening. Like, the safest thing to do is get in field goal range. And they followed up by starting off 25 yards off the ball, and Hill still gets a catch, and he still almost broke through. He, like, that's crazy. 20, 20 like, yard then, catch, 20 yard catch. He ran 20, caught the ball, and got 20 yards before he got touched. Right. And then, then the crazy. next play, like, you know, we've seen all the video of Kelsey, like going to Mahomes, saying like, Hey man, they're playing way the hell off me. Just hit seam. me on the seam. 
if you see it, like if it's there, just, just you know, it's just I'll let you know it's there. And then you hear Mahomes audible and at the at the line saying, you know, just telling Kelsey, yeah, go for it. Like if I'm the defense, A, I'm probably not close enough to the line to hear him say that, first of all. But like, how do you not signal to somebody and be like, yo, yo, that guy by himself, the best tight end in the league, stand in front of him, like chip him, do any, do literally anything to get in the way. Make it a 65-yard kick for Butker. Like, don't make it a 48-yard kick. Like, that's everything about that was so dumb. And you know what? I'll give Kelsey some credit. Like, that's a that's a smart job on him to let Mahomes know, but it's also even smarter on him to just get down because I know the temptation to try to run to the end zone is probably really freaking high to try to win it on a touchdown. But it's like, no, you don't have to win it now. You can just win an OT. And yeah. that's how it worked. But sure. like so much of that just falls on the coaching. Like that's, you know, it, you want to throw it on players like, okay, but they're not the ones calling the plays. Like they're, you know, the, whoever the defensive captain is, they're not, they're not calling the coverage. They're not doing that. Like the, the coverage should be Christ. All I have to do is play a normal defense on the first, on the first play after the kickoff, just, you know, like have you, you know, play your safeties back deep. Like, okay. But have your corners up front, like the the front four, both those plays were able to get close to Mahomes. Like not, they didn't rush him into making a bad throw or whatever, but like they were able to kind of didn't have time to wait anyway. Right. Like, yeah, there's no time to wait, but like they were able to collapse that pocket in around him. Like, I mean, he had, you know, he's able to get the ball away really quick. But at the same point, if you jam those guys to the line, suddenly he's running for his life. And then that's more time off the clock. That's more stuff you don't have to worry about. Like. It's, you know, like if he wants to hang it on the kickoff, like, okay, man, but like who, who didn't tell the kicker? Like who's, who's the guy who doesn't tell the guy in control of the ball to squib it? Like whose fault is that? To me, that's McDermott. Like I can hang it on the special teams coach if you want, but that, but the head coach is the guy that makes that call. No kicker kicks the ball without the coach is okay. Yeah. Let me, I got three final takeaways from this game. One, we just discussed it, that the first thing is to kick off. There's, it's not a trick play, okay? You better damn make sure, you make sure that you've communicated to your kicker to squib that fucking ball. Mm-hmm. That's first and foremost. And then the other two is, this is why I put, I know a lot of people are blaming Leslie Frazier and he deserves a lot of criticism. But to me, the last 13 seconds are on Sean McDermott because he called timeout not once, but twice. Yeah. Now, if it... And one other thing too, there was my second takeaway that I temporarily forgot. It's very obvious and very clear by the way they were playing defense that they were playing to stop a touchdown and they were at, to your point and you're 100% correct, man. They were defending like the Chiefs had no timeouts and there were more time because they were trying to take away the sidelines when the Chiefs with 13 seconds maximum can run three plays. They had three timeouts. They can't run more than three plays. So the sideline meant nothing. And they were mm-hmm. playing the outside there. Levi Wallace on that seam goes without saying. It was very obvious that they were trying to take away the sidelines. Again, it was a defense that quite literally looked like the Bills were trying to prevent a touchdown then, uh, as opposed to not letting them get 45 yards for a field goal. And then yeah. the part that pisses me off the most is if things happen, bam, bam, it's just football, it's sports. You call timeout not once, twice, Joe. They call timeout. They had Sean McDermott calls timeout. You're going to tell me he didn't communicate anything to Leslie Frazier? You're mm-hmm. going to tell me he didn't talk to anybody on this defense? Yeah. And you look at their play. You talked about Kelsey, you know, saying, hey, man, I can't believe he didn't say that. But, you know, if they're playing me this way, this seems open. You watch that video that I've seen now a hundred times. 
Effie Bada literally lines up almost directly over Travis Kelsey. Why don't you chip him? You're mm -hmm. not going to get to the quarterback anyway in two seconds. Chip, it's Travis Kelsey, man. It ain't no, no disrespect to Dawson Knox, but it ain't Dawson Knox. When the chips are on the line for the Bills and they need a play, they're going to Diggs or obviously it was Davis this time. They're not mm -hmm. going downfield to, to Dawson Knox or Tommy Sweeney, whoever it may be. This is Travis freaking Kelsey, and you're, you're not paying any attention to him. You're not chipping him off the line. And I know Kansas City had three guys on the other side of the field, but you got one-on-one -on -one basically with Levi Wallace who's playing seven, eight yards to the outside of you. That was a gift. And it just, mm -hmm. it's going to take a long time for me to get over it. I will eventually, but I'm not going to forget it. And it's going, yeah. it's going, there's a lot of, if you're mad, if you're trying to say Sean McDermott should be fired, that's over the line. They're not firing Sean McDermott. He keeps taking this team to the playoffs. He's been a successful coach with the Bills, but he deserves a hell of a lot of criticism right now. Mm -hmm. That's what it comes down to. Anyway, that's the game. I don't know if you had a chance to see it. I just quickly wanted to touch on Brandon Bean, his presser. Um, two things. I mean, he, he talked for a lot. By the way, and a lot of media people have credited him, he went for 71 minutes taking question after question. He made sure everyone asked every question they had. A lot of credit to him. Not a lot of GMs would do that. What, 48, 72 hours after getting your heart broken? I'm, you know, I'm so. going to try to not be cynical about it, but I'll, yeah. I'll just uh, when you, smile. I'll just smile and nod. And I'll, say yes. I'll let you be cynical. I'll let you be cynical <laughs> if that's what you want to do. But the two takeaways I had, and again, there's lots of them, but um, without saying it directly, Brandon Bean, well, he did say it kind of directly. You could tell that he he thought the bill, he said if they played 10 times, he thinks each team would win five times. And I kind of agree with that, right? Well, maybe not because the Chiefs just find a way right now. But anyway, he, he it was very obvious he knew that not playing that game in Orchard Park was big. And he talked a lot about losing that Jacksonville game. He even brought that game up like four or five times throughout the presser. If they win that game, they're at home against Kansas City. The home crowd, nobody's going to tell me that that crowd didn't mean anything. It meant a lot. The Chiefs, the way they were playing for a while, especially at the end of the game when they got rattled, I think if it was in Orchard Park, I, I definitely think the Bills win. That's just I know Maybe that's a homer take, but that's how I feel. And then the other thing, which... I kind of agree with him a little bit is a lot of people said, well, this year has been a colossal failure. Last year you made a championship game. This year you didn't make it to the championship. But to his point, the team to get over and the team they've built is around beating Kansas City, whereas last year they got run out of the stadium. They had kind of at times and looked like they belonged on the same field with them, whereas this year they beat them on the road in 13 seconds away from beating them in the playoffs on the road too. So in that aspect, I kind of agree, but what I want to ask you, cause now I'm intrigued by what you said. I want to hear the cynicism in you about this being presser. What do you got? Oh, it's my cynicism comes from, from everybody clapping him up about going for so long. And I'm like, well, this is the last time you're going to hear from him until the draft. So yeah, like, you, like the season's over. Like that's, that's like the end of the season <laughs> press conference right there. So yeah, like, Get it all out of the bag so that way you're not asking about it when it's time to talk about draft picks. So I get that. Like that's that's fair. That that that's more like me being a that's media navel gazing criticism there, where it's just kind of like, all right, guys, okay, yeah, you did your job, way to go. You you, you let everybody ask questions. Neat, congrats. But that that's that's where my cynicism comes in there. But um, it's very tough to say that this season's a disappointment. In the end, it's a disappointment because you didn't get back to the AFC title game because you didn't go further than that. You didn't get to the Super Bowl. You didn't win. 
didn't win a Super Bowl. Like it, it's from that view, it's disappointing. And you know what? The mic, I think the micro analysis that's going to come out of this might, it might benefit them, but it also might really hurt them in the end because you're going to, because this is going to get picked apart. Like it's been picked apart like crazy just the last few days. Sure. But as time goes on and then, you know, draft comes up, free agency comes up, all this stuff comes up. People are going to be looking at this really, really closely. Like, you know, there's, there's a lot of discussion as to, you know, how you improve this group to make them get over the top. And, you know, some people were saying, well, you got to add an edge rusher on the defense. You got to, you got to get, uh, you got to get, you know, more help on the offensive line. You got to get some, you know, shuffle things up with the receiver, do whatever, like get a better running back, any of that stuff. Like all that stuff already gets micro analyzed. But now when you're throwing coach decisions and coach moves and things like that into it, that creates a new sort of niche, especially because, you know, you're probably losing Dable. You might lose Dorsey to go with it. Um, you know, you might still lose Frazier, who knows? Uh, so you're talking about bringing in a new staff and, and which way that group's going to go. And I know they said they're including Allen in for any offensive discussions, which good, they should. He's the guy, he's the guy with the keys to the bus, man. Like mm-hmm. you, you let him decide where you want to go with it. But at the same point, what's the influence, you know, because McDermott's made no bones about it, that he's a little bit more of a conservative classic old football guy. You know, the fact that this is a very pass heavy offense seems to be like kind of out of his, out of his comfort zone. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've seen them develop the run a little bit better or, you know, towards the end of the season, but it's pass league, you know, like if you can win games, rushing the ball and eating clock. Cool. I mean, it didn't really work for Tennessee. Like that's, that got exposed and they have, you know, arguably the, the heart, you know, the best back in the league. But, you know, if, if you're looking to do this, with a with a new coaching, you know, with new coaches involved, that makes everything a lot more interesting to me because you know they you know they they talked about Beasley, you know they said you know right now he's you know he's part of the team, you know is Gabe Davis your automatic number two? Probably should be. You know Stefan Diggs was only targeted what five times in the AFC title game. I mean, yeah, they doubled him probably all game, but at the same point, your guy, take a look. You know, like you can't just assume that he's going to be doubled every time out there, especially when you're spreading everything out. But, you know, and, and especially after Honey Badger went down in the first quarter, like you're, they're, they're playing lowest safety, which was very apparent late in the game because Gabe Davis had a field day toying with their safeties. But I feel like Davis um, could have had seven touchdowns if they would have went right <laughs> after as soon as Matthew went yeah. out, if they started targeting that area right away. Yeah. Right. But like, you know, Bean's job this this offseason is it's easier, but it's more difficult. It's easier because most of the, the pieces are in place. It's more difficult because you have to get the right ones to complement them. Because if you don't, you're not you're not going to get past some of these teams. Like, you know, other teams are going to improve. The AFC West might be a monster division next year, depending on how, you know, how things shake out or, you know, what guys go where. It's already a very good division. And there's, you know, I expect the Chargers to be better. The Raiders, who knows? You know, Denver just got a new coach. Maybe they get Aaron Rodgers to join them. Like, okay, like that's that's crazy town. And then you still have the Chiefs. So like, you know, that's, that that's that's evil. Like that's that's all nasty stuff. Like a lot of the teams that we saw this year probably aren't going to be the same. You know, Pittsburgh's going to be different. You know, no more Roethlisberger. Like they got to figure out what they're going to do a quarterback. 
Um, you know, and then, you know, do Dolphins get any better? Do they get worse? You know, does New England get any better? Do they get worse? Do the Jets get better? Probably not. But, you know, like there's there's so many other moves to come. But like the pressure is on Bean to get it right. Because the even though I thought it was crazy that two years ago people said like, people were really happy when the, when the bills made the playoffs. And I said, no, they should win the division because everybody's bad. Everybody else is bad. And everybody was really excited. They won the division. And I get that. But I was like, no, no, that, that had to be the goal to start with. And then, you know, last year it was, you know, they, they get to the AFC title game. I'm like, good. That's, that's the level they should be at. Like they should be at a super bowl level now though. Yeah. Like it's super, get to the super bowl or you've, you've screwed up somewhere along the way. I would say to your point, and I agree, man, at some point, the goal this year was to go to the Super Bowl. For me, this season, for that reason, is a disappointment. Now, it hurts to know that they played the Chiefs better this year than they did last year, and they should have won the game. 13 seconds. We'll go over that over and over for the rest of our lives here, Bills fans I'm talking about, of course. But the expect two years ago, like you said, or going into last year, I think the expectation was to to win the division. And that's what they did. They got to the conference game. And a lot of, I'm just reiterating a lot of what you said here. This year, I don't care that they lost them. Whoever it was who, they did not get to the AFC Championship game this year. That's a disappointment. And Mm -hmm. I had a discussion with Joe on the podcast earlier this week about the Bills window and this and that. I think as long as Josh Allen is healthy and playing at a level that he's playing at now, the Bills are always going to be in the mix. But you're probably not going to find a better opportunity now. That's not to say next year the Bills can't come back and win the Super Bowl. They absolutely can. But it was there, man. It was on a platter for mm-hmm. you right now. You had the Chiefs beat. They were done. 13 seconds. You, you All you got to do is not play those last 13 seconds like a stupid idiot who's never coached a game of football in your life. And that's what the Bills did. Okay? So they win that game. What do you got left, Joe? You got the Bengals at home. At home in the AFC Championship. Mm-hmm. Now, no disrespect to the Bengals. I was on the Bengals train earlier in the season where a lot of people were, were sleeping on them. In fact, I said they were sleeping too. I didn't think they were going to make it mm-hmm. this far, to be honest with you. But anyway, my point is this, Joe. You got the Bengals at home to go to the Super Bowl. When is it going to get easier than that? Not that the Bengals are easy, but you, mm-hmm. you're at home, AFC Championship. Even though you're only in the third seed, it worked out. The number one seed loses. You beat the number two seed on the road, and you got a home championship game against the Bengals. And then you go on to the Super Bowl. <laughs> I mean, you you said it, next year, the Chiefs are going to be back. Aaron Rodgers might be with Denver. Uh, New England, maybe, is on the come up. Lamar Jackson was hurt last year. The, the Ravens were decimated with injuries. Mm. Baltimore's a good football team. Cleveland's got a lot of talent. Maybe they find a different quarterback. Justin Herbert is the real deal, man. The Raiders mm. are a playoff team. The Bengals are going to be better next year, probably, because guys like Burrow and Jamar Chase and them are going through this process now like the Bills did last year. So, mm. It was there, man. It was there this year. They didn't make it to the championship. This was a championship caliber team. We we heard championship caliber. caliber. That was our motto. Didn't make it to the championship. So to come up with any conclusion other than this was a disappointment was uh, it's bad. One last football thing, because it did factor into the game. I know what you're going to say, but what would you do to change it over time? It happened to Mahomes three years ago. He never got to see the ball against Tom Brady. This time it was Josh Allen. He loses a coin flip. He never gets to see, to see the ball. It's not right. I don't know. I don't personally know anyone who thinks this rule is good for the playoffs, at least over time. Mm-hmm. They're not going to change. I don't know why they won't change it. If they're ever going to, well, I can't even say that because Mahomes and Brady three years ago, we could have said the same thing. If they're ever going to change it, 
They didn't then. I don't know that they're going to do now. But what would you do right now? Would you say each team gets one possession? Just like, uh, like say, if they scored, the Bills get the ball. Or it could be like college where you start on the 25, each team gets a possession. What would you do if you were in charge of making this rule? Something needs to fucking change. And I'd be saying the same thing, by the way, when I was done celebrating, if it was Pat Mahomes. Football fans mm-hmm. got ripped off. Not Bills fans, not Chiefs fans, NFL fans got ripped off because the game was a classic. Josh Allen never gets to see the ball. It's not right. What would you do? I think you have to make, A, they have to make a decision. Do they want the game over fast or do they want it over fair? Because, you know, you've already played 60 minutes. Um, you know, everybody's just kind of like, all right, let's let's kind of get this game over with. But, like, if you want it to be fair, you can't play it quick. Like, that's impossible. Like, they already changed the rules once to make it so that a field goal can't end the game, which, you know, is probably the right move. You know, that's, that's fine. Um, with this, like, I have such a hard time with it, with monkeying around with overtime stuff, because my feeling is always like, you know, people say, well, it's not fair to the offense. I go, yeah, well, your defense still has to do the job. Team game, the whole thing. You're like, well, it's not fair if the offense doesn't get on the field. Like, well, whose fault is that? It's your defense's fault. Right. That's, fair. you know, like that's, that's where fair. it falls. To me, that's that's where it is. If your defense can't hack it, then you probably don't deserve to win. Like, whether it's coin flip or not, that, that doesn't matter. And I, people are going to throw the coin flip stats at me. I don't, I don't care. But like, if you want to get around this, the only way you can do this and make it not a joke the way college football's overtime is, because that's a joke. Like that, that shit's stupid. Like that's the college football overtime is some of the dumbest stuff I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, I'm that's not a, a fan that, either. That's a that's a free throw contest to to end an NBA game, as far as I'm concerned. Like that's that's what that is. Um, you know, you don't want to do it like the shootout in the NHL. You don't want to do that stuff, especially a playoff game. Like, you don't want to do that. Make it one quarter, 10 minutes. You know, final two minutes, two minute warning, the whole thing. That's that. If you're ahead after that 10 minutes, cool, you win. Like that's that's the way I, that's the way I, I want to look at that because you can either have it done fast, which is the way it's done now, possibly. I mean, you know, I've seen more tie games the last few years since they changed it to, you know, to make it 10, you know, 10 minute long overtime. And then, you know, you have to get a touchdown to win it. Like I've seen more tie games based out of that than, than I have, you know, games ended on, you know, uh, three plays. Like that's, you know, that, that there's that. But if you want it done right, then you have to do it like play it exactly like a normal game just with, a you know, five fewer minutes. Like that's, that to me is the only way you can do it and make it quote unquote fair because, you know, you want, everybody wants to have a crack at the ball. Like, okay, fine. Like, and you know, what team is going to grind out a 10 minute drive in overtime? Cause again, if you're able to do that in overtime, it's your defense's fault. And it, it you know, it just brings you right back to the, to the original point, but you know, you, you can either have it quick or you can have it fair. And to me, you know, if you want it fair, that's the only way you can do it is to have not, you know, first score wins or whatever. You just play out another, you know, truncated quarter and go from there. Like TV hours be damned. Like that's the way it's got to work. All right. I mean, that's fair. We'll we'll leave it at that. I'll tell you what, let's take a real quick break. I'll come back on the other side. A little bit of Buffalo Sabres talking. And and of course our, our starting five draft. Be right back more with Joe Yurden. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right, I'm back with Joe Yurden. Let Look, we'll save a, a bigger Sabres discussion for next week when like now this bill stuff will, will have calmed down a little bit. I will say this. So Saturday they played and they put up six goals and that was the game where um Krebs had two and mm-hmm. and uh who else had two each? It was, it was Krebs, Skinner, uh Thompson. Thompson and Skinner. They each had two yes. goals. Right. Mm-hmm. I had this in my notes originally and then I kind of tossed them. But anyway, that was fun to watch. I watched mm-hmm. a lot of that game. That was Saturday afternoon. That was a fun game yeah, to watch. Philly, Philly's a mess. <laughs> yeah, they are a mess. They are a mess. Shout out, by the way, four stallions. I was there in uh, Chicktawaga watching that game with a couple of buddies. A lot of fun. Anyway, I don't want to talk about that, though. Maybe we'll, again, we'll talk about some of these players and stuff next week. Just when I'm ready to say, oh, they're playing good hockey, this and that, they go out, Ottawa, and just completely lay an egg. They get buried 5 nothing. They stink. We already know that. The only thing I want to ask you about the Sabres before we get into our draft here is Arendelle, man. I mean, it took 9,000 goalies to get hurt for him to get an opportunity to be back up here in Buffalo again. Mm -hmm. And just, man, I wish I could show the video clip. Just, it was a cheap (laughs) shot, man. I I can't remember the guy's name, but he hurt him. You know, he he threw the bow at him, crashed Mm -hmm. on the boards, high ankle sprain. Guy's going to be out for quite a while. It was dirty. He got three game suspension for it. Oh, what's your thoughts on Aaron Dow? If you're, if you're Kevin Adams right now, and maybe it's not a fair question because they don't really have other options, but mm-hmm. I don't know, man. To me, this is a get off my team worthy guy. You're embar- you embarrass us around the NHL, uh, kind of deal. What, what's your take on what you saw and on Aaron Dell? 
Uh, I don't know if it's an like an NHL embarrassment level kind of thing. Sure. I think it's more embarrassing to Dell because, you know, you know, listen, Drake Batherson's, you know, tearing it up. Like he's had, he's, he's an all-star this year. Um, and you know, he's just pursuing the puck and then Dell's way out of his net, no longer has the puck. Batherson doesn't have the puck and he just leans his shoulder into him and like basically, you know, it's, it's a linebacker takeout essentially. So, um, you know, and he hurts him, you know, high ankle sprain. We know how bad those are. Thanks to, thanks to Jack's time here. But, um, the fact that he does that though, and the, like the situation the Sabres are in right now with goalies, you know, they've got four of them out, you know, they got a couple of guys that are practicing, getting, you know, getting healthier now, but, um, but you're already down Subban. You're already down Lucan and you're down Anderson. You're down Tokarski. You're down to Hauser and Dell as your guys. And this guy goes out of his way to, to, to pick a guy and injure him. And he's lucky. He wasn't, he wasn't thrown out of the game because I'm pretty sure I'm lucky. He's lucky. He didn't get a penalty a right because the Sabres power penalty kill wasn't stopping anything. And he's lucky. He wasn't pulled from the game, which, you know, he basically forced Don Granado's hand to not do that because you're not going to put Michael Hauser into that game to run into a mess. Because, you know, if, if Ottawa decides they're going to run the goalie in return, well, you don't want it to be the guy that had nothing to do with it. Um, so, you know, Dell has to eat crap the whole rest of that game. But if I'm Kevin Adams, I am furious beyond belief because Dell knows the situation that they're in with goalies. They know he knows it's only him and Hauser. Like, that's it. Like, they're not they don't want to sign Matt Robson up from Rochester. Matt Robson should be the backup in Cincinnati right now. Instead, now he's the starter in Rochester because he has to be. Like that's that's the spot that they're in. Like Dell is Dell's only playing in Buffalo because he has to. Hauser's in Buffalo because he has to be. Like they have zero options. And Dell goes and does something like this that's stupid, selfish, and dangerous. Like he hurt another guy, put another guy out for um, you know a month, two months. Like what? Like what's the point there? If I'm Adams, I am I am praying for Takarski to get back. ASAP and Anderson to be ready ASAP because I cannot wait to trade Aaron Dell out of town, like trade him, trade him for a, you know, for future considerations, just get him off my team because of all the, you know, all the disappointment that's been around for this guy. And this is a team with zero expectations. Like the Sabres have had no expectations all year. Just be adequate. You know, <laughs> like that's all they're asking out of Aaron Dell. Just be adequate, be, you know, replacement level. Like that's it. You know, just be a guy. Don't be a problem. Don't be worse than a, you know, don't be a terrible goalie. Just don't, don't get in the way of what's going on. Yeah. And instead, instead you got a guy who it played horrendous. It's just absolutely awful. Hockey got sent to Rochester. got was lucky to get back because of injuries and he played. Okay. He played. Okay. Since he's, since he's been recalled and then he does this and it's just like, dude, you like, we're talking about like pulling Marty Baron out of the booth to go play a game this weekend for, you know, like, like this is, this is the stuff that gets talked about, like, you know, from, from fans, that's not real speculation. Let's just, let's just knit that. Out. Marty's not unretiring. He's very happy doing what he's doing, but, but like, that's, but like that, when that becomes your, your point of discussion, it's just kind of like, man, this is messed up. Like that's really messed up. And what he did is extremely messed up and it's selfish. Yeah. Like he's just doing it just to, you know, just to be a, be a punk ass. And like, he, you know, he he goes out and he checked what Ely Tolvanen in the, the Preds game a couple weeks ago. And everybody's like, "Wow, goalie throwing a hit!" And I'm like, "That's kind of shitty. Like, you can't do that stuff." 
And he did it to, to Mark Stone a couple years ago, too. Like, he same thing that he did to Batherson. He put Stone out for a week or two. So it's like, he's got a reputation. It's just that because, like, he's a backup number three goalie. Nobody gives a crap. But this case, he takes a guy out with a, a stupid hit, and then he's injured for two weeks, and he's an all-star level player. Like, nah, man. Like, I can't, I can't deal with that kind of stuff. Like, you, you wouldn't stand for it from a, you know, like a, a regular skater doing that kind of punk stuff. Like, why would you take it from a goalie that is your number six goalie? No way, man. Get out, get off the team, go play in Jersey. <laughs> I'll tell you, I agree with you hundred percent. I'll tell you what too. I am, uh, the 13 seconds with the Buffalo bills, um, maximize the capacity of Buffalo sports annoyance I could have for one week. So We'll pick up on Sabres talk next week. There'll be plenty to talk about. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'll be in over the bills a little bit more come next week. I do want to get to our draft, which I don't know. And you want to speak of annoyance. Um, <laughs> it continues, at least for Pat Moran, it continues anyway. So last week, our, our starting five draft, best musicals. I got to be honest with you before I even read these. I went <laughs> into this week, Joe, confident before the draft, pre-draft I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. You know, my war room was, Feeling good, man. We, we we liked our chances with this category. And it wasn't even a God, dude. I got dragged. And it was it was one of those games. Remember last year when the Bills lost to the Chiefs only by nine, but the score didn't feel, you know, it, the score was closer than the game felt. Like the Chiefs were never in yeah. any danger. Or like earlier this year, the, the regular season finale when the Bills and the Jets, it was a close game late. The Bills were never going to lose that game. This is how this felt to me. Like there's been bigger blowouts although this was a blowout, but it never felt to me like I belonged, like I had a chance. I don't know. I, I was very overconfident, and I got dragged. Um, Best musicals last week. I had 32% of the vote. Not good. My picks, including having the first overall, I took Grease, The Greatest Showman, Phantom of the Opera, Moulin Rouge, and Little Shop of Horrors. Uh, it's funny. Little Shop of Horrors probably got more criticism or not criticism, praise for my, from me. I was going to say. Then the greatest showman pick. or Greece. Greece, nobody gave a shit. That was shocked me. Joe collected 68% of uh, the vote. You had West Side Story, Hamilton, Chicago, mm -hmm. Guys and Dolls, and that one that you're going to pronounce because you say it so much better than I do. Les Miserables. Yeah. That's what you got. <laughs> yeah, I, I, look, you know, it's funny. And sometimes it's, uh, look, I, I'm not going to say it's original because I've seen this on other polls, but I got more than one of those. How do you guys draft? Did Joe get the first five and then you got the next five? <laughs> I'm telling you, man. That's it, the best compliment ever, it by is, the way. It was it like, is. did you get the first five picks and then Pat picked? Because that is. seems unfair. It's like, no, actually, it's and the exact opposite. A lot of people had opinions. There were two. <laughs> Number one is always, what, no matter what category, there's always going to be people who save who they would take, you know, that you, know, you guys both forgot or whatever. Some say it more uh, insultingly than others. But anyway, <laughs> so there was that, and then there were – just people who really loved your pick, especially West Side Story and Guys and Dolls got a lot of props too, which you mm -hmm. stole in the fourth round. That was a steal. That was your Gabe Davis there, your fourth round. You pick. also didn't even think of it. That's no, the other I, part. I did not. You weren't even thinking of no, Guys and Dolls. No, I, I didn't. That was your Gabe Davis pick, your fourth round or Guys and That's Dolls right. really cemented it for Four you. Four touchdowns, 200 yards right there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, all right, so this week, <laughs> let's see if I can turn it around. So this week we're doing most overrated songs. 
Now, this is obviously a very, very subjective yes. category, just like all of ours. Mm-hmm. I think, and I, I look, man, I never know. There's going to be songs that I think suck and people are going to say I'm crazy or vice versa. This is, you know how it is with music. Music is so broad. There's so, it's so wide that there's going to be a million songs that people, mm-hmm. this might, I, I could be wrong, but I think this might be the one that people react to more than any other one we've done. Not yeah, necessarily this- for good picks, but for, you know, their own personal, which I, we, by the way, Joe and I both like that. So please, by all means, hit us up in the mentions <laughs> when, you, when you vote on these polls, when we put them up. We'd love to hear your thoughts, but yeah, this is going to be one where everyone's going to have an opinion. Kind of like yeah, chicken wings and buffalo. People are going to get really upset or really cheer us on for this one. Yeah, And absolutely. like, no matter what, everybody's going to have opinions, which makes this the best kind of <laughs> starting five to do. No matter what, because no, because it gives both of us a fighting chance. It gives you probably more of a fighting chance, unless you pick something that's wildly popular and uh, people are just kind of like, what? What do you mean? What do you mean overrated? Come well, I, I'll say I'll say this much. I do tend to I do tend to pick things that are mainstream popular, whether that's good or bad. I don't know. All mm-hmm. right, so let's. I'm looking. Yeah, I did. I, yeah, I you had it. first pick last. I week. I kicked it off it. last week, so you blew you it. are going to get the first pick here. And again, this is most overrated songs. This is obviously subjective in our opinions and our opinions only. Any genre, anything's on the table, and uh, you're going to kick it off, man. You got the first. Uh, so I was happy you picked this because I at least knew I had a number one song. Uh, it's "Sweet Caroline" by Neil Diamond. <laughs> That's a good pick, what, man. What a just um so it's so bad it's like when you look into like the reasons why it was written and then it's you know it's played at sporting events and you're just like what the hell like what like this is a creepy creepy song like everything about it is just like man i don't know about this this is this is weird it's really weird and it like it's played all the time is this because you're and, a Yankees fan and they do it at Red Sox games? Uh, well, no, because I, I, I agree with you. Yankees do enough game. annoying stuff too. Like, I listen, <laughs> one, one of their songs might also be on my list. Let's put it that way. But, um, <laughs> but like, it's just like it gets adopted. Like, you know, any team that does something that people get around, like it gets adopted by everybody. This was one that got adopted by a ton of sports teams, and it's just like, uh, enough already. Like, just I. Neil Diamond's great, but like, God, get that song out of my face. It's so, it's so overdone. I agree with you, man. I think it's a very overrated song <laughs> as well. You do. So this is actually one that I, I do agree with you, man. Let me preface this too, as I give you my first two, I, I, I got to say this. I bartended for a long time and I've been, mm-hmm. and, and my wife is a really good karaoke singer. Okay. I mean, she's a great, she's a great singer. I should say who does karaoke. And I've been around a lot of karaoke in my years of being a bartender and you hear some songs and they're done so badly and it really might make you take a song that is okay, it's tolerable, and it makes mm-hmm. you fucking, your skin crawl when you hear that first note come on because it's karaoke and it just, so some of these songs that I'm going to pick are in part because I've heard them a trillion times at karaoke and I just hate them, all right? But number <laughs> one, I, I think this is the late 80s, which I'm embarrassed by because I, I, I always wanted to think it was a 90s song. Love Shack. That's my first pick. I hate the Love Shack by the B-52s. Again, another duet that I see a million times at karaoke, and I hate it every single time. There's nothing about this song that I like whatsoever. 
the guys. I remember you airing your grievance when we did best karaoke songs, and you were just like, "I hate that song." Yeah, that's so right. Much. Well, you know what? You know what? I did. I forgot about that. See, your memory's mm-hmm. better than mine. I'll, I'm going to give you that. All right. <laughs> also, I won that category. You did. Way, you just... did win that category. Shocker. <laughs> by the way, you're up 22 to 10 in our uh, in our lifetime polls. Are you won 22? I've won 10. All right. So, Love Shack is one for me. Number two. This might be unpopular because of the timing. Mm-mm. Admittedly, okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to piss on the man's grave. Mm-hmm. Much respect to him. A very story career, very successful career, and a lot of people love him. But on that note, and this could have been number one for me too, by the way. This was like 1A and 1B. These were the top two on my board, obviously, because mm-hmm. I'm picking them first. Paradise by the Dashboard Light by Meatloaf. I absolutely despise that song. Again, admittedly in part because of how many times I've heard it butchered so badly at karaoke. But it ain't just karaoke, Joe. If we're at a bar and I hear this and I know the bartender well enough, I'll say, please eject the song, man. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> it's such a weird song to play at the bar, too, because it, it lasts 12 minutes. Yeah, well, I guess you want to get banged for your buck. And there's the whole baseball part in it, yeah, too. Yeah, you're getting, like, you're getting banged for your buck, I guess. But I, I... I guess. Look, man. I don't know. Again, rest in peace. Great human being. And there were a couple of meatloaf, meatloaf songs I didn't hate. This ain't one of them, though. I think this song sucks. So that's mine. Love Shack, Paradise by the Dashboard Light. That's going to put you on the clock for two. So there are like some of these are songs that I like. I just think that are overrated. This is one I like, but it's wildly overrated. Uh, and it's Don't Stop Believing by Journey. Fair one. I think it, it, gets, it gets played so mm-hmm. much. And it, it's another one where like they started doing it at, at Red Wings games in Detroit because the whole line is born and raised in South Detroit, which there is no South Detroit. It does not exist. <laughs> it's not an actual place. You go south of Detroit, it's, it's Windsor, Ontario. Okay. Oh, like that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like it's just kind of like, all right, all right, yeah, I get it. Just sing along. Steve Perry rules, journey's good, but like I I get what you're I'm saying. I wouldn't have thought of that, but as you're saying it, it makes a lot of sense. Okay, good pick, good pick. So there's that. And I'm sorry, I'm writing these down just because I'm weird that way. Cause I like to keep track of like what our lists are. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, there's so much, like I'm trying to not be like a modern hater because there's a lot of like more modern songs where I just be like, man, I hate that song. It stinks. <laughs> I, like, can pick, I just I can be like, it. okay, old guy, way to go. Yeah, I know? could just say Drake in any rap song in the last 15 years, pretty much I can put on this <laughs> list. I won't do that, but I could very easily. Um, but I think this one, I'm going to win a lot of, a lot of hearts and minds on this one. Uh, Cause it comes from a soundtrack. Mm. Uh, and it's let it go from the frozen soundtrack. Oh. by Adina Menzel. Ooh. That now I've never seen Frozen, but I know this song beginning to end, and I'm just like <laughs> enough already with the friggin' let it go, and I can't let it go. I can't let it go to the let it go. So like, just I'm letting it go to be number five of all of our picks. So yeah, let it go. I I like that song, so I disagree with you, man. That, that's my <laughs> shit right there. I love when that's but but look, man, I love female cheesy female songs. I sing along at the top of my lungs. Mm. When that song's out, I actually like that song, but I, I do agree with you. I think a lot of people are are going to uh, hate it. All right, <laughs> so I got two here. I'm gonna go right back to karaoke again. 
And others, well, this is more than just karaoke. This might be the one, and I could be wrong. I'm always, I usually am. This could be the one that gets me a lot of hatred. Because I think this, a lot of people actually like this song. I hate it. Picture by Kid Rock and Sheryl Crow. Mm. I despise that song with such a deep passion. I don't necessarily hate Kid Rock as an individual, although some of his music I think sucks. And I don't necessarily hate Sheryl Crow as an artist. I think she's talented and I think she's had some really good music through the years. Mm-hmm. I hate this duet though. And again, stemming from karaoke, having to hear people singing who suck. It just drives me crazy. I cringe. This is a cringy song to me. I don't like anything about it whatsoever. So, <laughs> Pitcher is my first pick. Um, all right. I like the next group. REM, mm-hmm. I do not like shiny, happy people. I don't know how other okay. people are going to feel about that. That might be a song that maybe not people don't really even have much of an opinion on at all. But yeah, man, I, I, I got to go with shiny, happy people. I, that's another, that's that. I got to be honest with you though. That's not really a song people sing at karaoke. I just don't like right. the beat. I don't like, I don't like the background singing of it. It's just. I was to say, me. are you are you picking that because one of the singers from the B fifty twos is doing background vocals? Yes, in part, <laughs> in part, that is an automatic. Shiny happy people to me is an automatic. If I'm got my spot Spotify premium whatever going, that's an automatic skip. Or you know, like Pandora, <laughs> when you put on a category, and you're only allowed like say three skips per hour or whatever. When yeah. you got, if you got the free plan, well, that's one of my three skips for the hour. If I hear shiny, happy people, you won't hear more than four notes of that shit in my house because I'm going <laughs> to hit eject. So there's my two, man. Let's, let's, let's see if you finish strong. You got two more here. I, uh, I think I'm going to finish strong. Uh, cause my next pick is hotel California by the Eagles. Ooh, ooh. There is no band that's more overrated than the Eagles. Ooh, that, as far as I like, that's a hot take. Maybe that, that's a sizzly hot take, man. That's sizzly. Um, because wow. to me, the best part of the Eagles is Joe Walsh, and he created a better band on the side. So, because Joe Walsh is a killer guitarist, and his songs are actually fun and not like boomer anthems. So, you know, I'm very, very okay with that. But yeah, Ca- Hotel California, every time I hear him, I'm just like, oh my God, <laughs> Christ's sake, this song. Like, just get out of my face with friggin' Hotel California. I, I know I, I can check in, but I can't leave. I know I listen to the song. <laughs> I, I can't that. leave the song. It gets played all the damn time. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Hotel, fair I, enough. I, I, I don't agree I with you. I can't believe I didn't pick it first. Let me wow, put it that way. I, wow. I can't believe I forgot about it for yeah, a second. That, that, that's was, a I'm really going hot my, take, man. You're, you're dropping a hot take with this song. I, listen, I, I think I got a lot of support for that one, but we'll see. We'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, The moment of truth. Yeah, you know, because there's. You know what? Anyway, here's Wonderwall. Wonderwall by Oasis. Okay, I, think it's I agree overrated. with this one. I agree. I think it, I think it's overrated and it's not even close to their best song. Uh, but it's the one that's the meme song. It's the joke song. But you, but I just, Wonderwall is a sappy ass sad yeah. song that gets played constantly. And I'm like, for crying out loud. There's Oasis has 20 other songs that are more fun and more more you know oasis e than wonderwall but <laughs> wonderwall is like the one that gets played all the time and i'm just like guys pick a different song for crying out loud 
Oh yeah, I can't. OAC, OAC. That's a good. I, I just. That's a good adjective there. That's a new one. I just can't. Yeah, you know, just wonderful. I, I I don't know. I, I I like using Wonderwall more as a joke than I do hearing the song. Hmm. But like, I have like that album on my you know on my phone, and I, it's a great album. But Wonderwall comes on on the shuffle. I'm just kind of like, all right, what's next? <laughs> I, I even skip it. Like it. Done. Yeah, I'm done with. Don't want Wonderwall. I agree with you. I agree. With, I, three, I, I personally, like if I was evaluating me and only me, your picks, three of the five I love. And that would, that'd be one of the three for sure. Uh, man. That means I'm in trouble. Could be. That's what that means. Because I'm usually wrong. <laughs> All right. So it's my last pick here. I got to, and let me preface it by saying this too. I am not a, a, a country music fan, so to speak. Although mm-hmm. I have come to appreciate some good country music. I, I think in recent years, I've come around and I've been a little more open to country music and I find it a little, at least moderately more enjoyable than I used to. Mm-hmm. However, this last pick here was, I don't know, a handful of years ago, probably the most popular song in country. It's one of my least favorite songs of all time. It's by Florida Georgia Line and it's Cruise. I hate <sighs> that song with a, excuse my language, a fucking passion. <laughs> I hate it. That nasally voice, the horrible country rapping, like verses in the song. It, ugh, God. I thought we were doing overrated songs, not instantly hateable songs. Well, <laughs> to me, to me, a song that if it's popular and I hate it, that to me, that's my what my version of overrated is. I talked about um, shiny happy people, you know, or it's an mm-hmm. automatic eject, or if I'm at a bar and I hear something, I'm at a bar and I hear this song. I will take a dollar bill if I know who, and I'll throw it at somebody's head and say, take your dollar back and don't ever play this song again. That's how oh, much you, I hate this. So this could have been number one on my list too, by the way. Yeah. that When that kind of song comes on the jukebox, you got to hope it's one of those ones that you can pay to skip it. Cause then it just, you know, take my money now. Cause <laughs> that we, one of our categories should be bands that you hate one week. Just, yeah. Just really upset a lot of people because Florida Georgia Line might be my number one pick. Yeah, God. I think they stink. Man. What a horrendous like and modern it, country is always oh, is like its own weird it's, thing. It's like, basically I don't get pop it, country like, now. I get it. And there used there was God, a, it was first I, it was Dolly Parton, then it was Shania Twain, and I get it. The country pop mainstream, you know that that kind of took Garth over. Brooks, and I'm, yeah. Garth Brooks, yeah, and I'm fine with it. And I kind of like some of the the mainstream. No, Garth Brooks is great. Music. Yeah, I Dolly love Parton's great. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah sure. Florida Georgia Line know that they suck, no. and that song specifically throw them in the ocean is the worst. They, horrible. I got I, put it this way. I'm sure you all five of your big boy. You got all five of yours, and I got all five of mine. So we got <laughs> I, nobody I to so, yes. we got nobody to blame but ourselves. Because again, <laughs> this is a category. You know, when you do TV shows or something, there's a realistic amount where you can really draw from. This is probably there's probably 500 songs that people could agree with or disagree mm-hmm. really quickly. When they say that, I do have a couple that neither of us picked that I, I at least want to mention. So let me run down these. I, cause I had okay. them down on a list just in case. All right. Old, another country rap song, old town road. I hate that song. Was that little Nas dude? I fucking hate that song. I, hate I don't it. hate it. I hate it. it. It got overplayed a lot. Yeah, it did. But it, it, did. it used, it used the nine inch nail sample that I recognized immediately because I'm that kind of dork. <laughs> I also got a couple from the seventies. Got to go back to the seventies, show them a little bit of love or in this case, hatred. I mm-hmm. Will Survive by Gloria Gaynor. Never liked that song. Mm-hmm. We Are Family yeah. by, by oh. uh, Sister Sledge. I hate, yeah. I still can't stand that song. 
Celebration by Cool and the Gang. I don't like that song either. Mm, um, yeah. Sweet Home Alabama, but not the Leonard Skinner version. I'm talking about the Kid Rock rap version Ugh. of Sweet Home Alabama. The only reason why I didn't draft that is because it would have been too tough to type out Kid Rock version in our yeah. poll on Twitter. Uh, and then the last one, again, I am not pissing on the man's grave, nothing but respect, but you took the words right out of my mouth is another song that I absolutely despise. I think it's so overrated. That's what I got on my list, big guy. I uh, I I could have had another even hotter take because there was a song I was debating. Which one? And I was debating John Lennon's Imagine. <sighs> if I had picked that, I guarantee I would have lost 95 to 5. <laughs> yeah, you would have got tell me they, it's they not tell me it's not overrated. Tell me it's not overdone and like used in like the worst ways now. Like, think think of like the 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 friggin' like uh uh, Gal Gadot sing along they did for like right at the beginning of the pandemic. And like her and a bunch of other celebrities sang Imagine oh, by John God, Lennon. You're just like, so Jesus, I hate this song now. Right. I, as you God. as you reason with it, I I, I will say this. <laughs> See, I, I just I, found a I, I found an opening for you to be like, you know what? I kind of agree. I think I think you um <laughs> I think you would have been in trouble if you would have picked that. Hmm. So I agree with you. And I oh, do, I know. But I'll it, say I'll say it this belongs too. in the conversation. I, it does. And I'll say this, man. I mean we could have a draft of Beatles song some week. That that's not even close okay. to one of their Beatles best Beatles songs. Well, that's so just, if you look no, that's at, Lennon gets, solo. That's not even a Beatles song. Well, that's true. That's right. It's not even a Beatles song. That's no. not their best work, whether it's collectively or any of them individually. If we did a draft with all of them, that would now if you wanted be, to pick an overrated Beatles song, there's Hey Jude. Ooh, don't tell my wife that shit. <laughs> better hope she don't listen to this to the entirety of this podcast. You better hope she got annoyed when we started talking about uh Aaron Dell. <laughs> And turn it <laughs> and turn this shit off. All right, let me recap here as we get out for the day. So I draft oh, my mic's messed up here. All right, I drafted Love Shack, Paradise by the Dashboard Light, Picture, Shiny Happy People, and Cruise. Joe took Sweet Caroline. I I, I really think that's gonna play well. Don't stop believing, let it go, Hotel California, and Wonderwall. Mm. I'm gonna just make one quick prediction. I think it's gonna be close. Because I think, again, this is just such a subjective I think people might category. not know three of your songs, so that might hurt. That may or help or hurt me. It, it, it could. I, I think Hotel California, I think you're going to get some pushback on that one if I had to if I had to make a prediction. Not I saying win or lose, it. but I think you're going to get some pushback on that. I, I don't doubt that, but I'm prepared for it. I got, I got my I got my Eagles beaten brass knuckles on, so I'm ready. 